Finally, welcome in the spring. Welcome to Hamda Pod. Boys and girls, welcome to episode, in spite of what I said at the end of last week's episode, when I got the number wrong and said it was 356, this is episode 358 of Hand of Pod. Um, I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined by Andres. Hello Sam, welcome. And English Dan. Hello and welcome to number 358 apparently. We are sponsored by Fanatis, which is a service that all of you should already be on board with, but in case you're not... It allows you to watch the Superliga, the Copa Argentina, and when it kicks off later in the season, the Copa Superliga, um, which are all competitions that you're interested in, if you're listening to this podcast. One would hope so, yeah. Otherwise, uh, probably not worth listening to. If you are outside Argentina, then it allows you to watch all of those competitions, either live or on demand. Uh, ooh, hang on, no, the Superliga and the Copa Superliga are live or on demand. The Copa Argentina might only be live, I'm not sure. Um, it also, if you're in the United States, allows you to watch the Copa Libertadores and Sudamericana, as well as a bunch of European competitions, um, thanks to their tie-ins with the cable channels who show those competitions in the US. Uh, you can get a seven-day free trial and 20% off your first three months by going to fntz.co slash H-O-P and signing up with the discount code H-O-P-F-Z. That again is fntz.co slash H-O-P and the discount code is H-O-P-F-Z. I've just realised, seeing Dan take a sip of his fernet, that I've left mine over there on the kitchen side. I'm going to fetch it for you, Sam. Uh, if you don't mind. You can carry on introducing and whatnot and I'll... And that way I can uh, get straight into the, uh, the, the scores from the weekend just gone um, we're probably I think going to talk about the national scene first thank you very much yeah um, let's get out of the way to get that quickly. out of the way actually yes. so let's let's do the scores from the weekend just gone afterwards okay so they're happening right before we discuss them um, and that way we can remind ourselves of what the bloody hell happened because it feels like ages ago Indeed. so then uh, yesterday as we record Wednesday Afternoon, our time, evening, where it actually happened in Germany, um, in Dortmund, in fact. Germany hosted Argentina in a friendly, and Argentina, uh, as we already know, uh, the best team in the world at playing friendlies against Germany. This is just historical fact. The, the st- statistics are astonishing. Yes, when it comes to competitive matches, the record is rather less favourable, but in friendlies at least, they do kick Titanic ass. Um, when was that? They beat 4 0 was at so uh, Germany. I think it was 4 1, but it was, it was yeah, right, right after, after the, um, losing 1 0 yes. after extra time in the 2014 World Cup final. Uh, annoyingly for, for Argentina, and in fact, for those of us who are neutral that live in Argentina and would have really enjoyed the party. Yes. Um, the result was not an Argentine win, but it kind of felt like it in the end, in many ways. Mm. Germany led 2 0 at half time, they had completely dominated. Argentina managed to come back in the second half to draw 2-2 thanks 
almost entirely, really. It was, it was a really single-handed performance from the new Lionel Messi, Lucas Alario. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, using, of course, his inside knowledge on the Germany team, because, mm. of course, he plays in Bundesliga. Uh, I think he was only... I think there were two um, Argentina squad players. The other was... Uh, Christ, a young player who played very little in uh, in Argentina and is now at Stuttgart. Gonzalez, something... Nicolas Gonzalez? Uh, yes, the Argentinos Juniors striker. Yes. Is that the man? Nicolas yes. Gonzalez? Yes, I think. Oh, yeah. good of me. Um, Hold on, then. Yeah, it did seem... I mean, uh, after the first half, which was an absolute disaster, and I think it's safe to say the worst Argentina have played uh, since they lost 6-1 to, to Spain in that friendly back in 2018, and probably for my money, even worse. Because um, I remember that game, and they did at least have a couple of chances. Um, they got forward, uh, but on Wednesday, the first half, they were just played off the park. Um not helped by by a young, fresh uh, centre-back pairing of Marcos Rojo and Nicolás Otamendi. Yeah, um, we've got a question about those two later, but I'm going to yes. kind of preempt it by just coming out with it. Why are they playing? I have no idea, and things weren't helped either by the inclusion of Juan Foyt uh, right back. Juan Foyt is a very talented young young defender mainly at centre-back, and mainly when he's actually played a competitive match this season, which he hadn't done. This mm. was his first actual start. Um, yeah, it was... Sham was really um, getting going. Um, then uh, after half-time, Rojo was thankfully taken off, and the match became absolutely turgid. Unwatchable almost, I think the first 15... 20 minutes of the second half and I was very very close to falling yeah, asleep grim stuff yeah, yeah. until the, the introduction of Aladio and Aladio's a player I've kind of gone back and, back and forth on him if if you can understand me yeah. I've seen good things of him but I've never thought you know I've, he's not a player I'd watch and think ah yeah this guy is uh, international class he's the future of Argentina I think the last time I really paid attention to him was in the last round of friendlies he played quite a lot of the game against uh, Chile which was uh, mm. a very uninspiring nil nil draw and, and I felt like my my prejudices had been confirmed but he came off the bench and he was absolutely fantastic it was um, it was quite something to watch he scored he came off the bench 62 minutes in replaced Paolo Dybala who had been Paolo Dybala for Argentina is Indeed. probably the best way to say uh, that. And it took Alario four minutes to... We have criticised Lionel Scaloni in the past for not always making the right substitution, so I'm just going to point out that um, Marcos Acuna was another one of the subs at half-time. Indeed. Uh, and it was Marcos Acuna's cross, which Alario turned into the top corner of the net with an absolutely brilliant header. <coughs> um, and then with five minutes to go, Alario embarked on a Lionel Messi-like run midway roughly into the German half didn't really go past anybody but barged through the middle of the defence a bit and then laid it off for Lucas Ocampos another former River Plate player um, to score on his Argentina debut indeed yes very good in, in this case I think that uh, Scaloni well you, you may say well but he uh, the, the, the starting line up was with Rojo Dybala and, and Correa but mm. he realised that they weren't playing very well and 
took them off. So, from one, in, one, in one hand, you can say that the, the mistake was to put them in the beginning of the match, but then the, 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 the good thing for him was that he uh, and, and the changes were for good. Not it's not that they he produced this or similar players, but Rojo was the one who started uh, replaced Rojo was Acuna to play, of course, yes. more more uh, forward or more ahead in the pitch than. Yeah, I think he sort of slotted in as a wing back, and Taliafico went further into more as a a central defender, right? The, this was actually another point that I wanted to, to make because, or, or another question that I wanted to ask you to what you thought because as you said Dan the first 15 minutes or so of, of the second half were pretty turgid and it kind of coincided with for most of that period I'm not sure that Lionel Scaloni knew what formation Argentina were playing it didn't because, seem so no. as you say Acuna um, replaced Rojo Rojo had been at centre back Acuna definitely played wide yes. and Probably as a wing back or wide midfielder, mm-hmm. with Tagliafico then shunt, shunting over to centre back and switching to a back three. But it's difficult yeah. to say. At the same time, Ocampos play uh, replaced Correa um, and played somewhat. You know, Ocampos is more of a winger, whereas Correa is a bit more of a, a winger come forward. So, um, it, it, and it all started to just it looked very shapeless from Argentina. I, I thought those those fifteen minutes especially. Indeed, yeah, but. Um... The key for Argentina really just came through pressure. They realised that you know Germany had gone completely into autopilot. I thought after half time, you mm. know they had a two goal lead. They seemed pretty happy to to keep it, and and the change comes when guys like Alario, guys like Lautaro Martinez, uh, Acuna, or Campos just started pressuring very very high up the field, and and Germany didn't like that. Uh, in the first half, they were pretty much given given the run of the pitch, allowed to do whatever. They wanted and and that's what they did. They could have scored three or four, I thought. Um, and yeah, I guess what we can say in um, Scaloni's favour is that we know he has eyes. He saw that it was really, really terrible and and changed something to hope, hopefully make it less terrible. Um, it's still very much a case of trial and error in each game. He tries something um, without... Any kind of seeming pattern or or kind of uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for um, kind of system, let's say, to you know um, trying to work things out as they go along. He just chucks his player in, players in, tries them a little bit, and switches it all up if it doesn't work. Um, it's all right. I mean, a draw against Germany away isn't a bad result by any means, and considering how bad they were. In going two 0 down, it could even be considered a good result, but it is kind of uh, concerning all the same that you're still in this in a situation where you're just testing pretty much every position on the pitch apart from two or three places. Yes, in the end, he he um, uh, I don't know who was the one who went went out to. For for Rodriguez to get into the match, that was Rodrigo de Paul. Ah, oh, and he didn't no, not touch the ball. He yeah. didn't participate even in the. It was five seconds, I think. What is the in a competitive match mm. where you're trying to run down the clock? I can. I, I'm not going to defend making that kind of substitution, but I can see the point. <laughs> but 
Guido Rodriguez now gets to say that he played for Argentina last night. He was on the. As Andres, <laughs> says, I mean, Andres isn't for the benefit of listeners who didn't catch the game. Andres isn't exaggerating when he says five seconds. He, he he entered the pitch and five seconds later, without Rodriguez having gone anywhere near the ball, the referee blew for full time. Just what is the point of making that change? Gives Rodriguez a cap, I guess. But nothing else. Exactly. Most important, even than that, is that I don't know why he he Scaloni said that apparently said that the tests or the the evaluations uh, period has come to an end. And but it clearly hasn't because the when whole have, game was that yeah, they have to play against Ecuador on, on Sunday and they then, then apparently have another uh, friendly which there was a hilarious mistake between the Uruguayan and Paraguayan Federation mm. saying both that they will play here against Argentina which of course is yeah. impossible mm. uh, the 18th of November um, or could it be a Y combined team that would well, be interesting that would be, that could be quite a, a challenge at that, least that would, that would be a team I wouldn't want to be stuck in an elevator with uh, <laughs> Um, Scaloni has been saying for, for some time and he's, he made the point after the last double headers after the, um, after the mini tour of the US that I apologise for the, the neighbours young children just coming home in the background there you might be able to hear them um, he, he made the point that he sort of said we, we want to use the next two friendlies to experiment and, and to find out new things about new players who can come into the team and then the two friendlies after that will be for finalising the squad that we're then going to take forward to the um, World Cup, uh, to the, yeah, to the World Cup qualifiers, which obviously begin next year. No, the Copa America will be first. No, World Cup qualifiers start in March. They start in March. Yeah, if, if I remember rightly, they, they start before the Copa America anyway. But then you're going to be trying out new things again because obviously, yep. because for the World Cup qualifiers, he's going to call out Messi, he's going to call out Pagueda, God forbid, maybe even Di Maria, um, and then you're just going to be with a whole different team. Well. <laughs> I, I will be satisfied if Rojo is not there. Uh, Indeed. Um, and Rojo's is Rojo's the weird one because Nicolas Otamendi, in my opinion, shouldn't be playing centre back for Argentina anymore anyway. Um, but he is at least playing at club level. Now, there's an elephant in the room here, and I'm going to just uh, reveal it because everybody who listens to this podcast or has listened to this podcast for a long time knows because I've said it enough times. If I were Argentina manager, Sergio Romero would still be very much in the conversation for the starting goalkeeper's role. Um, the reason that I think that it's daft to have Rojo here isn't that I disagree per se with him being there, although I do think there's a bit of a difference between an outfield player doing it in terms of match fitness and a goalkeeper doing it. Yes, there is. Um, I might not be completely in agreement with Romero being the first choice but I will say that it is completely it wouldn't be because of lack of playing time Thank my you. objection and it, but, it, but it has more to do this uh, the reason I want to mention Rojo with the fact that when Scaloni came in he like San Paoli before him made a thing of saying Romero can't be the first choice goalkeeper because he isn't playing for his club and yet Marcos Rojo has played if I remember rightly, something like three games in the last 12 months for Man United. Something All of them really badly. Why is he getting called up when Romero has made as many appearances, I think, if not more, so far this calendar year for Man United and, and played better when he has done? Yeah, I, I think what, there's, it, it's not so much, oh, Romero deserves to be in, Rojo doesn't. It's just there's no logic there from Scaloni's point of view. If you're going to say, well, I'm not going to pick a goalkeeper who, who isn't getting playing time for his club... Don't pick anybody who's not going to play in time for that club then. 
No, I think in... It's not as if there aren't other options at centre-back. I think in fairness, if uh, if it hadn't been for the Copa Libertadores semis and someone like uh, Martinez Cuarta being available, hmm. I think he would have been uh, lining up alongside but, Otamendi. But even then, when you have a manager who's saying, oh, we want to, we're looking for the future, we're looking to build a new hmm. team together, there are better centre-back options away with the under-23s at the moment, who are going to be playing Mexico, I think it's on Friday, is that right? Or Saturday, um, I think it might be. Yeah. Um, there are better centre-back options with that, with that squad, if you're looking to build a team for the future, who you maybe could have called up. Lisandro Martinez, yeah. of Ajax, is with the under-23s. Uh, the, the kid for, is it Fiorentina or Udinese or somebody in Italy? Senesi also, yeah. the one under-23. One but Lisandro, Lisandro Martinez is now playing... We don't know why, but he's playing us in the middle uh, area. Apparently, very well. We have a question yes. on it, so we can't yes, go yes. too much into detail. Yeah. But yes, um, I still think if, if I was Scaloni, I'd, I'd prefer to try one of them at centre back than than two players who you know just aren't going to be quite good enough and they're going to be a bit old and a bit slow. At least one of whom is. Yes. I mean, I, I, Marcos Rojo. I've, I've heard from people who've met him; he's a really, really nice guy. Um, I'm more than happy to actually just have him sitting on the bench at the club. We have problems. We think he's pretty awesome, but as a footballer, yes. no, he shouldn't be anywhere near the Argentine. I think there is a conflict between the players you call up uh, for the national, the main national team, and the under 23. For example, Leitch, who could uh, be well at the under 23 squad, he has been called up for the uh, main national team. And for San Lorenzo, he's playing in the in the reserves. He has been down, put down by Spitzi in the in the reserves. The mm. third, not the substitutions in the bench, the reserves. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's strange. And and Ponce, the one we mentioned, uh, he's 22, uh, and next year he won't be called up anymore because he won't be eligible for the under 23s. Uh, well, Gaich who could have been gone there. And yes, there are things with the collapse that are really messed up. I think. Yeah. Um, I think that Fernando Batista uh, in, in the youth teams has, has shown so far that he's done a good job and, and Scaloni yes. in the full national team you know, the Copa America went went well we, we praised him after the tournament and, and I'm not uh, I, don't, I don't want to go in too hard with the criticism at the moment but there are things that don't seem entirely thought through you know the same is true at the AFA at boardroom level as well Yes. Um, but yeah, there we have it. Of the team last night, so I'm going to read out the starting eleven, and I'm just wondering. First of all, let's not bother with who do we think is going to play on Sunday against Ecuador <coughs> because well, we there are going to be some no changes. Idea. It's going to be drawn from the same squad. Blah blah blah. But of the team last night, which I will read out now, how many? Uh, let me read them out first, and then tell me how many of them do you would you expect to start? the next friendly in, in next month's international break bearing in mind what Scaloni has said about how he wants this to be forming it so the team last night was Agustin Marquesin in goal who obviously isn't going to be the starting goalkeeper but um, no River or Boca players were included in this squad uh, because of the Libertadores semi-finals taking place although Walter Kahneman is in the squad yes <laughs> though he's in the Libertadores semi-finals as well with Gremio uh, at right back, Juan Foyt, the centre backs, as we've mentioned, at great length, Nicolas Otamendi and Marcos Rojo, and Nicolas Tagliafico at left back. Uh, midfield, um, this is a bit of a weird formation the way they're presenting that. Uh, a, a midfield pairing of Leandro Paredes and Rodrigo de Paul, in spite of soccer score, sofa score saying Leandro Paredes is playing on his own at number five with de Paul up front. Um, and then a three attacking midfield lineup of Roberto Pereira, Angel Correa, and Paulo Dybala behind Lautaro Martinez as number nine. Front four sounds 
pretty tasty. Bearing mm. in mind that we know that Lionel Messi is going to be slotted in for one of them. <clears throat> yes, yeah, I'd say he's a... Um, right now, Paredes is is undisputed um, in the starting lineup. You'd say Otamendi as well would be there. Taliafico. Uh, Foyt, possibly by default, if he starts playing a bit more, because just basically because uh, Argentina have very few right backs. Like the other option is Sarabia, right? Sarabia. Who came on last night? Yeah, he was another um, of the, the changes, kind of in a more. Advanced role. Um, he wasn't that bad anyway. Uh, no, I, th- I think he's a decent option. I, I, yeah. I, I think that Foyt has kind of got that position down for as long as he's prepared to put up with being put out at right back because of the fact that he was surprisingly decent there in the Copa America. Indeed. Um, more than because he is necessarily a natural right back, which he's not. No. Uh, the other guys, yeah, Lautaro Martinez is going to be there. The poor, um, perhaps. The ball, I, I think the, you'd the, imagine yeah. the Paul and, and Paredes that yes. you know again the more they play together yeah once La Celso comes back clearly developing he'll probably get a he'll probably get a run I think he's injured now right he is yes yes and it's started I think a bit iffily for Tottenham although I've not heard an awful lot no about it so yeah I mean the spine of a team is there it's just kind of filling in those blanks um, and when one of those blanks is Marcos Rojo it's still quite troubling. Uh, a guy who shouldn't, you know, even with other players being missing because of club duties or injuries. I mean, if he's anywhere near the team, it's it's not particularly uh, a good omen, let's say. No. If you can hear some scratching in the background, then don't worry, that is our end, not yours. Uh, you haven't got mice in your skirting boards or anything. We've got a, a pussycat who is currently attacking her favourite cardboard box over on the other side of the living room. We all have a favourite cardboard box, less than a minute. Yes, we do. It's, it's a very nice cardboard box, um, and, and she loves it. And she addresses her affection by means of her claws. Um, anyway, coming in to that squad then, once we're able to call up River and Bocca players again, and once Lionel Messi is free to be called up again, you would think, I reckon, Messi comes in for Dybala, Martinez Cuarta would, by the look of, of you know the, the squads that were played last month or whenever the last international friendly breaks were as well, and the fact that he was starting, I would expect Martinez Cuarta to replace Rojo, and Otamendi probably to be alongside him still. Because yeah. Scaloni seems to think that Otamendi at least is, I don't know, a wise old head next to this younger... Yeah, and as uh, you say, they're not exactly spoilt for other options. Mm. You can say Lissandra Martinez, other guys, but they're young and they're untested and it could, you know, if their biggest virtue is that they haven't fucked up before for Argentina, it's not entirely convincing over Otamendi, let's say. Mm-hmm. That would be my argument. Palacios will be there. Palacios uh, will be there or thereabouts in the squad at least. Um, any, any did you mention the goalkeepers I'll sign out for a second uh, well I mean I, it's, I, I still think it's between Andrada and Armani yes. for, for the goalkeepers but I, I think Scaloni seems to be slightly preferring Armani uh, based on the fact that he started and, and Andrada didn't during the last international break Armani played one game and I can't remember he played the other but it Andrada, Andrada I think was no it, it was Andrada Andrada yeah. played, ah, okay. against, played against Mexico yeah uh, right yeah of course okay yes um, Yes, okay, so forget that then. It's clearly between those two for the number one spot. Maybe you'll rotate them. Maybe when the competitive games start coming, you'll still play Armani in one and then Andrade in the next one. 
and use that competition, the competitive desire that they both have to be better than the other to um, to, to fuel some amazing goalkeeping performances. Um, I think that Lucas Alario probably played his way into a squad place yeah. last month, uh, last night, unless he does something absolutely howlingly bad against Ecuador. Um, yes, as I, as I told you before we started recording, for some players like Alario Ocampo, who was the one who scored the, the, the equaliser, weren't friendlies. Mm. Were matches to take advantage of them, uh, because playing very well for them would be like a, a good sign uh, uh, for Scaloni. Players, like he says, that want to be in the national team, uh, which should be obvious, but uh, showing the performances like, like the ones like, like, like uh, yesterday. Well, yeah, and, and that's also the context in which we have to take this second half comeback as well, because of course Germany, A, were, uh, you know, if Argentina had a couple of injuries and a suspension, Messi, um, and, and this decision to not call up any River or Boca players because Scaloni's life wouldn't be worth living if any of them got injured, mm. um, then Germany were, were equally uh, hit, in their case mostly by injuries, but pretty much their entire first team was 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 out injured. Um, I think, no, I think a lot of players are arrested too because they've got uh, they're, they're playing European Championship in, in, in the European Championship qualifier on Sunday, yes. Yeah, so their next game is also is competitive rather than being a friendly. Um, and just like Argentina, they are a national team in transition. It's, it's a more professionally managed transition than the AFA uh, undertaking. With on a slightly stronger, more stable base, let's say. Indeed, yeah, from um, definitely that. Uh, but they are in transition and so I, I think that it's inevitable that, that their second half performance didn't match up to the first half performance from a German mm. point of view um, but yeah so you know that, that that does play into it as well but Argentina can you know you can only draw with the team who are put in front of you indeed um, yes. you can only come back from 2-0 down at half time against the team who are leading you 2-0 at half time so there we go um, that I think Covers that, right? Yeah. I don't Are we expecting so. many sort of sea changes for for the Ecuador game? I mean, other players who who were who didn't feature. I won't bother mentioning the subs. The players who didn't feature um, in this friendly were Emiliano Martinez and Juan Musso, the goalkeepers. Herman Petzela, uh, Walter Kahneman, Matias Vargas, Eric Lamela, and Nicolas Dominguez. Mm. Are we going to see any or all of them? Petzilla, possibly, I imagine Kahneman won't be used, basically because Scalani doesn't want the hassle of of Gremio getting annoyed with him. If he was going to be used, you'd think it would have been last night. Oh, yeah, yeah. let's let's go with last night. It was last night in in the continent where it was played. Yes. If you really want to think of the future, yes, I I will change both uh, centre-backs. I will put, I will include... Uh, both Kahneman and Petzela in, in uh, replacing Otamendi Rojo, who well, clearly, well, we know Rojo won't play the World Cup. This is uh, like that. This is it. It's not. Uh, there is not a possibility for him uh, to to be there, uh, or, or at least for to fill spaces like like Dan says said uh, recently. Um, I don't know Otamendi, but. Uh, Perhaps you, you, he will say, or anyone will say that, uh, that you need experienced players in the in the in the back. Uh, in that case, I will I will take 
Otamendi experience, though. I mean, by the time the World Cup rolls around, Otamendi's going to be 34. Yeah, Rolf. you can do it. That's... Marcos Rojo, who, and, and let's not forget, I, th- I think the main saving grace that Marcos Rojo has always had at elite level, uh, i.e. Argentine level, and, and <clears throat> perhaps very, very arguably his first season at United, you could have said we were still elite level, maybe, we're well, definitely not now. But anyway, uh, has always been his mobility. And by the time yes. the next World Cup comes around, Marcos Rojo is going to be uh, 29 plus 3 is 32. So they're both going to be no quicker than they are right now. Otamendi in particular ain't very quick right now. No. Um, so, yeah, I'd, uh, I would agree with, with what you're saying, Andres. I, I think that Rojo's very unlikely to play the World Cup, and I'd be slightly worried if Otamendi does, given that he's two years older than Rojo. We have uh, Kahneman and, and Petzela here in this uh, tour, or this yeah. couple of friends. Then you have Martinez Cuarta uh, and others that, well, Lisandro Martinez, the, the other who uh, is at Ajax. Right now, you you have of course you have to try to this in these cases uh, try and, and, and see whether they can play together. Uh, this the word from this just the ones to 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 see whether. But that's the big problem, though, yeah. isn't it? You're talking about a guy, you know, a coach who's been in the job now fifteen months, a little bit less, fourteen months, and he still doesn't have a clue what his even. Like theoretical best centre back partnership would be. That's that's quite damning, to be honest. I I honestly I think that he would uh, like Otamendi and um, and Martinez Cuarta. But have they ever played together? Yeah, it, as I said during during the last international break, they did. So they played and, one game. And that's together. why I think that that's that's <laughs> I suspect the way he's going because Martinez Cuarta is probably the best performing which isn't necessarily the same thing as best or most promising, but the best performing at the moment uh, of the young options, and he appears to favour an old head alongside them. Um, I'm not saying that I would pick Martinez Cuarta and Otamendi, mm-hmm. but I think that that's the option that Scaloni's going for. But obviously that got shot in the foot this time by, again, this decision not to call up River and Boca players. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. We'll be talking Indeed. next week about Argentina-Ecuador, of course. Uh, because we don't really have an awful lot else because there's no Super League at this weekend because of the international break. Well, we get to do a preview of the Libertadores game. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And Copa Argentina also. Ah, we had uh, a, 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 a strange case or weird case of Tachez playing twice in three days, which is, by rules, it's permitted. It's, yeah. It's okay. We, we will talk about that after the half-time break, okay. which I think we're going to take now. You're going to go for it now? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Let's do this. We've been recording half an hour, so we're going to refill. I'm, I'm going to down what's left in my glass very quickly and then probably get heartburn for a minute and then refill my glass. Sounds Because um, like, yeah. that tends to be the way that this works. So, don't go away. We'll be right back. tell you is that during the uh, halftime break which was actually longer than the few seconds you would have heard yes yeah it always is uh, Estudiantes have just beaten 
Estudiantes in yes. the Copa Argentina. This isn't like some football manager or FIFA matchup where you can play the same team against the same team. Estudiantes de San Luis were hosting Estudiantes de la Plata uh, in, in Sarandí. Because mm-hmm. that's how that works, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Sarandí being, in case you're wondering and you're not familiar with the geography of Argentina, quite a bit closer to La Plata than it is to San Luis. About a half hour by train, I'd say. Yes, from Ish. La Plata. Yeah. Uh, that, that's not how much closer it is. That's the distance from La Plata. Yes. Uh, as opposed to maybe a 100 16 or 17 yeah. hour coach journey or something. Yeah, no, 10, 12 maybe. Yeah, and it's not that far. Through the Conor Rano as well, remember. All the traffic that that entails. Uh, anyway. The, the first editions of Copa Argentina, there was a benefit for the smaller clubs mm. that they could play closer to their area than... They always should. Yes. They, they should always be given the option to play at home, in my opinion. Anyway, um, Estudiantes de la Plata have just put out Estudiantes de San Luis in the Copa Argentina on penalties after conceding a last-minute equaliser and after being 1-0 down for quite a long chunk of the match. Indeed. Anyway, the results from the Superliga weekend just gone. Well, as follows. Newell's Old Boys and Banfield drew 0-0 in Rosario. Atletico Tucumán beat Tacheres 2-1. Those were both on Friday night. And then on Monday, as I think Andres hinted <coughs> during the first half, uh, Tacheres played a Copa Argentina game against Almagro. And, Andres, would you like to be our correspondent and tell us what happened in that one? Yeah, they lost uh, again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so three days apart, those two games. Tacheres didn't have a great weekend. Um we will also very briefly mention what that means in the Copa Argentina in a, in a few minutes' time because uh, Almagro are playing their next match on Friday um, in the Copa Argentina. Argentinos Juniors beat Arsenal de Sarandí 2-1 in a match which was, as predicted here on Hand of Pod last week, really quite good. Sometimes we get it right. A late goal from yeah. the great Gabi Alche, right? Yes, the winner. Indeed, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, which is really, really strange. Yes. It, it was a match that wasn't probably wasn't the most watched in Argentina, though, because at the same time, Diego Maradona's Gimnasia y Arriba La Plata uh, were visiting Godoy Cruz in Mendoza. They conceded their obligatory two goals, of course. They did, but this time they managed four. They managed to score four against uh, opponents who had two men sent off. Um, so Gimnasia managed to get their first points under Diego Maradona uh, with a 4-2 away win over Godoy Cruz San Lorenzo versus Central Cordoba was the thrashing that we were expecting it to be yes it finished 4-1 less expectedly though it finished 4-1 to Central Cordoba de Santiago del Estero uh, if if it sounds like I'm struggling not to laugh while saying that then it's because that's exactly we, we had an angry supporters there from Medellin, especially asking Pizzi to, to, to resign. <laughs> yes, Pizzi, the president, the kit man, everyone. I'm guessing it, yes. it, a, a result as remarkable as it is unexpected. And we'll come back to that uh, in, in a minute. I think Estudiantes uh, de la Plata drew nil nil with Huracan in La Plata. Rather less unexpected, I'd say. Indeed, Racing got a walking pace two nil win over Aldo Civi. Belles got a pretty entertaining 2-0 win over Independiente. Lanús and Rosario Central drew 1-1. Union edged the Clásico Santa Fecino 1-0. Uh, 
thanks to a goal 10 minutes into the second half from Nicolas Matsola. The first goal in uh, Clásico Santa Vecino in 26 years. years. Yes. Oh, uh, 27, 26? Yeah. yeah, 26 and a half maybe. Funny how we were both thinking along the same line yeah. with that joke though. Uh, River Plate got a 2-0 win over Patronato, which I think I can say without fear of exaggeration could have been 7. Uh, and Defensa Justicia lost 1-0 at home to Boca Juniors, and I think I can say without exaggeration that that one could have been 1-0. Um, Defensive were tremendously wasteful with their finishing, and Boca were right back after that sort of, I guess, double disappointment of A, conceding for the first time in the league at home to Newell's the previous weekend, and then obviously uh, the 2-0 loss uh, in the first leg of the Libertadores semi-final against River. Boca just got straight back on their bikes and right back to being that ruthlessly effective mm. Um, side that we we know and I'm not going to say love but respect are familiar with yeah. um, what shall we begin I think we've got to begin with the result of the weekend which with apologies to Diego Maradona I do think is San Lorenzo 1 Central Corner but it's Santiago del Estero 4 that was the 11am kickoff. Possibly. yeah I, I missed it I mean I, Me too. I, I say I missed it I didn't bother watching it because I was just like I don't really fancy watching a really one-sided game when it's such nice weather outside like going for a walk with my girlfriend it and I looked at the result afterwards and was like what the bloody hell happened there <laughs> um, specifically what happened is that Central Cordoba were winning I, I think by a combination of hook and crook were 2-1 up with like two minutes left and they scored twice mm. one in like the 86th or 87th minute and one in stoppage time um, so the scoreline perhaps doesn't fully reflect the as, as you can tell, San Lorenzo were rubbish, especially in their in their back. Uh, but there was a, a sent off by uh, I think it was a, the kid or or youngster uh, Ferrari mm. uh, who apt I guess Ferrari getting a red. Yeah, oh he was <laughs> he wasn't very fast man. Uh, yeah. He was quite slow because he was behind his the striker of, of there we go. Central Cordoba and. Uh, Didn't hit Top Gear, we could say. No, <laughs> yeah. Let's overtaking him. Let, let's stop this now. It was strange because the the last man uh, rule is. Sorry not, to interrupt, Andres, but could, could we say the wheels have come off San Lorenzo's title challenge? Very okay, possible. I, I will let you. Very possible. Uh, no, I, I thought that. Well, I, in fact, it is uh, not more, not anymore. The the last man or the. Mm. The, the, yes, the, the regulation, that rule that That's only for penalties, denial, I believe Denial of a clear goal-scoring opportunity yes. I believe and that's only a, for penalties If right? a penalty is awarded as a result of the foul Then it's a yellow card But if it happens outside the box And therefore a penalty is not rewarded Then mm. it's still a red card yes. yeah. In this case it was a clear option The, the, the striker was clear, of course yeah. To go and uh, face the, the, the goalkeeper And that were, that's where Ferrari uh, made a foul from, the, from behind and, and immediately he was sent off. Uh, there was no possibility there, and uh, well, that was the beginning, I think, for San Lorenzo to uh, have a, a, a nightmare of a match. I mm. think. Yeah, it does sound like it. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Herrera scored ten minutes after Ferrari was sent off to make it one 0 to Central Cordoba. Bruno Piton. Mm. I'm glad that he was the scorer because it's reminded me of something. Bruno Piton equalised in 69 minutes in and they then immediately conceded again through Lisandro Alsugaray. And then late on, Marcelo Meli and Alsugaray uh, scored. Alsugaray got two, therefore, um, to make it 4 1. Mm. Uh, Bruno Piton, however, is the joint top goalscorer in the Superliga. He's got five now or four? He has got five goals, five goals. in nine appearances for San Lorenzo, mm. having racked up. Prior to joining San Lorenzo earlier this year, 
He had three career goals in a hundred and... I looked this up on Wikipedia. I think it was 133 appearances or something. And he's now scored five in nine. And he's playing in the same position. He's still playing left back. So it's all very, very weird. He I made, do think we mentioned this last week, but with his fourth goal. We've mentioned goal. it several times this yeah. season. Yeah, it is. Um, and I saw one Twitter debate yeah, breakout. Three in his first 88. And then yeah. five in his last nine. <laughs> Not bad at all. Five and seven in the league. Yeah. And I saw a Twitter debate, uh, or kind of a sharing of ideas, let's say, talking about who the last uh, Argentine fullback was to lead the scoring chance. Oh, I can't. No, I can't remember who it was, but I did see that um, a few names were mentioned. I can't yeah. remember any of them now. Now I've, um, I've brought it up. So it's Sorry. Mm, it, longer ago. I don't know if it was longer ago, but it wasn't someone as well known. Right. It was um, kind of a, a primera stalwart. And you saw he wasn't really much for scoring, was he? He got no, forward yes. a lot, but he didn't chip in with that many goals. No, it was it was a primera stalwart. You know, like yeah. these guys who were around for twenty years playing for all sorts of clubs. But oh, we'll have to we'll have to get back to you for for Bidon's sixth goal or seventh goal. Indeed, we will. Uh, he is joint top scorer along with. Andres, would you like to take it from here? Rafael Santos Borre. Yeah. Um, who scored both of River Plate's goals in their 2-0 win over Patronato, uh, which, as I said, could have been a hell of a lot worse than that, but for a very, very good performance uh, from Matias Ibanez in the Patronato goal um, and for some perhaps slightly wayward finishing at times from River as well. Um, but it looks really, to me, I mean, I've, I've been thinking in recent weeks that, that River... I think throughout my time in Argentina, right, because River always have had this reputation historically of being a team who plays champagne football, they go out to win and to entertain the crowd and everything. And I found sometimes they, they can be a little bit frustrating in that respect. Obviously, in, in Marcelo Gachado's time, um, it's it's been somewhat better in, in those respects, especially in the really big games. But as I've complained a lot, they often don't take the league that seriously. Mm-hmm. This season, they are taking the league seriously. Um, I think they played fewer um, reserves than Boca, right, this weekend? Yes, yes. yeah, I think they did. Um, and they are, in fact, it's, it's almost an entirely full-strength side. That Paolo Diaz came in for... Um, Pinola. Thank you, for Javier Pinola, who yeah. was suspended. Yeah. Which, well, uh, yeah, which that, isn't necessarily a step down in quality, no, but given but, what Diaz has done so far in uh, Apart from that, it's a full-strength side. Yeah. Um, and, and the result, I think, is that they are playing themselves now into a very, very good rhythm. It's just, mm-hmm. you know what you're going to get from them every game, whether it's league or copper or whatever, and that is just relentless. And, and what is yes. something really, really difficult to achieve, which, which is to uh, have plays which they know how to make, mm. and they, they repeat them, and they are and effective. Some goals that are similar to others, because yeah. they, they do it in a similar way, uh, uh, the one, the first one against Patronato the, was quite similar to the one against Boca. Yeah, it's the second against Boca. Yeah, the second against Boca. They they different score is different side of the yes. pitch, but very similar move. Yeah, yes. Comparing it also with the to the goal against Sorry Dan against Racing which in one? the last Copa Libertadores. <laughs> ah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Which one? <laughs> uh, um, they, there were three there, not six. But uh, you know, I never actually saw the that Libertadores game. Oh, I was. In Sosa, waiting to get on a plane to New York, I was listening to to that uh, the second leg on a very scratchy radio radio connection. Um, 
just as I was getting on the plane, I heard one shout for a goal and it turned out to be River. I had another shout, it was River again. By the time I got off the plane, obviously because matches uh, don't last as long as Buenos Aires to New, to New York flights. No, it might have felt like it if you'd actually been watching. Very possibly. Uh, yeah, heard it, uh, it had finished 3-0 and I never saw the goals. Hmm. And I'm quite happy to, to get that up until my dying day. <laughs> um... Elsewhere, we uh, Boca, um, their win combined with San Lorenzo's defeat, of course, means that Boca now have some daylight at the top of the table. Um, they had to dig deep against defence it was DC, although they were helped, not for the first time in the last 18 months or so, by defence Justicia being just completely unable to hit a cow's backside with a banjo. <laughs> it, it just, their finishing is ridiculous at times. They've completely changed players mm. from last season. And yet it's the same problem. They have like 57 shots on shots and two of them are on target. It's ridiculous. In this case, they were, uh, of course, benefited by Boca's approach, which was, again, to, yeah. to keep the ball to them. Uh, in fact, they, if you see the stats, uh, the physical justice had 60% uh, of the ball possession against 40 Boca, which is, of course, in this case, it, perhaps it's not surprising. But you, you are talking about the Fensia Justicia, who are the team this season that plays, uh, even having a lot of, of, of goal opportunities, mm. very different way than the, the past season. Yeah, um, in, in this particular game, it was it was somewhat similar, because it was the same kind of, I don't even know whether it's right to call it shoot on sight, it's more just shoot whenever you get across the halfway line with them. Um, but by and large, they have been playing differently this season, but this, this game against Boca was just... Yeah. <laughs> just, just play right into their hands and Boca yeah. will be quite happy to sit there and go well okay if you want <laughs> if you want to have like 22 shots in the game then you can if they're all going to be from 45 or 35 yards out or you know way out near the corner flag or whatever feel free you're not going to score against one of the best goalkeepers in the in the league even if you do get it off on target from all the way out there um, so Boca with a, a deserved win just, just in case anybody's thinking that I'm accusing Boca of playing anti-football or whatever I want to say I, I think Boca in spite of being second best on some of the counts there just played a very intelligent game and go, went back to basics in a way that I think is or was necessary for them to do after what was you know a pretty traumatic week um, prior to that it's the kind of, uh, of of result and the kind of performance that, that can remind the players of what their what their base is let's say anyway they, they, that I think that victory didn't come now things at Boca because of course you, you, you will take you can take uh, what the players say after the match which they are they, are, they have just played the match and, and they are not perhaps so cold mm. minded but Tevez said a lot of things which perhaps his teammates could agree with or not could say he's right or he's a son of a I don't know uh, saying a lot of things which I think are true but there are things I, I think you could say not to the cameras, but to them in person in the restroom or the uh, not not, not uh, live uh, yeah. going to the TV perhaps. Andres, of course, being a River fan, is gonna stay silent on the the terrible, the the shocking revelations of black magic that have come out. Um, oh, are we doing this? From River? <laughs> might as well mention it because it's kind of fun. I like to think that Hand of Pond's journalistic sensibilities are slightly higher than really. Them. Yeah, but go on let, let, let's hear about the room this isn't quite on the um, Colleen Rooney Rebecca Vardy uh, no. level by any means but go on now 
Uh, I only skimmed over it because, as you say, I mean, these stories are stupid. Um, but there have been accusations from Boca that uh, River made fairly malevolent use of, I think it was black candles and, and other sorts of um, curses in the Boca dressing room just before their Libertadores semi-final uh, first leg victory. Which... And apparently now Boca are going to combat this. Uh, they've made contact with a witch doctor, an, an Umbanda witch doctor from Cordoba, this who is, is going to help neutralise the neutralise the curses and and sort it all out. This is all Which according is to some tabloid journalist on on say rather than to, to any actual sources at Boca. Very possibly. <laughs> Just to be clear, nobody at Boca has come out and said we'll show them what who's got the best witch doctor or anything. I choose to believe anyway. Um, we will move on to... to gymnasia, surely. Exactly. To gymnasia. You spotted that I had it on my phone, Dan, or possibly just guessed that that just would be guess. the logical next place to go. Connection. Um, when Nicolas Condin scored just two minutes in, or like a minute and a half in, away to Godoy Cruz, um, and then Victor Achala with a really nice free kick, because... That's what he does. What other kind of goal does Victor Achala score? Uh, doubled their lead on the stroke of half-time. Only... For Godoy Cruz, in fact, to halve the lead mm. even more on the stroke of half time through Juan Bruneta to make it 2 1 to Gimnasia at half time. Very early in the second half, Joaquin Barrela got himself sent off for his second yellow card. In spite of which, Bruneta scored his second of the game just after the hour mark. Um, but then Godoy Cruz went down to nine men with nine minutes to go, fittingly. Miguel Chaquet getting his second yellow. I think he was booked like. Uh, 29, 33 minutes in. I thought it was earlier than that. Um, and, and subsequent to that, in fact, almost immediately, Victor Achala scored another really good free kick. And then Matias Garcia racked up the... Um, racked up? Racked up a fourth? Racked up. I wanted to say... Racked, racked up the game with the fourth. Racked up That's the game it. is what I was aiming for. Uh, with the fourth goal, which was assisted by Contine, the scorer of the first one. Yeah, um, I didn't actually see most of this game because, as you might have guessed from the way that I read all the results out... Um, I was watching Argentinos versus Arsenal. Um, I'm hoping that one of you was paying at least some attention. I did not watch it, oh, but what I will say is that it does seem that um, that Gimnasia got that little bit of luck, which was definitely not there in the in the first three games, which were mm. uh, which were all defeats. Um, they also played. I mean. The snatches of the game that I saw. Once, once it became apparent that it wasn't going to be like a bad game, mm-hmm. I started kind of flicking between and watching, mm-hmm. say, ten minutes of Argentinos Arsenal and then switching over five minutes of Gimnasia Godoy Cruz. Ten minutes of Argentinos uh, Argentinos Arsenal, five minutes of Godoy Cruz Gimnasia. And during those snatches, Gimnasia were almost constantly just yeah. bossing the game. I think during one of them, Godoy Cruz scored their second goal, if I remember rightly. Um, but, you know, Gimnasia actually looked like the better team from, from what I saw of it. Well, it was, wasn't that hard against Godoy Cruz. But, no, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, my, my, I can't remember many of my predictions from last weekend, but one of them was that Gimnasia would get a draw. I remember saying, I think Maradona's yes. going to get his first result mm. uh, here. And I didn't think it would be a win. Yes. I certainly didn't think it would be 4-2. The, the goal was but, open, uh, open for them. And what was uh, incredible, of course, not seriously, but it was more a joke than anything, that Victor Ashala apparently didn't know how to shoot the free kicks and how to ask Maradona how to do it. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It can't right. be true. So, Shala's been knocking in free kicks for years. Yeah, but there's been this thing about Maradona 
gave him some advice in the same way that you know Maradona right. t- taught Messi how to, how to yes. shoot free kicks what's that Riquelme Messi had already been yeah well probably Riquelme yeah. as well at some point right. but it's certainly true of, uh, of Messi and now Ashana they've both learned from the best oh there we go uh, in spite of the fact that they were already you know really good at them yes um, so well done Maradona you're capable of taking an amazing free and kick he, player he and danced, turning him into an amazing free kick player. yes then he danced of course uh, after the match which was more important than the victory itself <laughs> for mm. the players as, as he as they filmed him uh, recorded him dancing and and the way he, he yes. could dance of course oh, I should mention that was his um, that was his first Primera win for 24 years which yes. must be some kind of record Ooh. kind of that much distance between one Primera win as a coach and another. That, that's one of those statistics that's not a statistic that I get quite irritated by. It like, is, like, entirely. But Bristol Rovers haven't beaten Manchester United at Old Trafford, ever. Yeah. How many times have they played them? Never, but that's not the point. Um, but no, yes, but, anyway. yeah. Um, Gimnasio, of course, are still very, very much up against it in the relegation table. Uh, we will talk, I, the, the final game, I think... Did anybody actually catch the Classico Santa Casino? Mm, I watched a little bit, but there was also Inter and AC Milan. There was Barca, Sevilla. Inter Juventus, that's the one. Uh, Barca, Sevilla at the same time. And I, I, I must admit, I, I really did. I really did start out with the intention of watching... The Santa Vecina derby from so start to finish, but it was so bad. Um, I, I just couldn't. I've got it up to about. Tw- I think I watched half an hour. Absolutely nothing happened, and and I gave in. I, I didn't. So I'm, first of all, I'm going to say, back in the days when I lived in my previous flat and had direct TV, I would have been watching Argentinos Arsenal on the TV with Gimnasia Godoy Cruz on the computer because direct TV make it a hell of a lot easier to log into. The, uh, the on-demand and internet streaming services than my new cable providers, Cablevision, do. I, I just can't work out how to fucking log into anything. You have to log into it all separately and create your own user accounts and everything for it. Um, which is why I wasn't watching both of those games uh, simultaneously. However, Cablevision, because they have this smart box thing as standard, make it much easier to watch stuff afterwards. This is true. And so... I went out for a nice walk to enjoy what was quite a beautiful afternoon on Sunday um, with my girlfriend while the Santa Fe Classico was on, knowing that it was going to end like Mm -hmm. nil-nil or possibly one-nil to somebody. And when I saw, uh, with the plan of thinking, well, you know, I'll watch it later. If if I get home and it's finished like 5-4, then I'll wait until my girlfriend goes to bed and then watch it. Mm-hmm. I'll stay up later than her anyway that's no problem um, and when I saw that it finished 1-0 and that Union basically from like looking at all of the coverage and all of the stats and everything were just like yeah Colon didn't deserve anything from this game they just didn't care and he was easy to believe like, for you yes eh, I'm not going to bother watching that um, so the game that we will cover however because it does have a material effect on the title race is Argentinos versus Arsenal which conveniently you watched I did as well but also not coincidentally because I watched it because of the fact that it was going to be a really interesting game mm-hmm. uh, when it kicked off either one of these teams whoever won basically was going to go level on points with Boca right. obviously Boca played the next day so they're not level on points with Boca anymore they're three behind um, but Argentinos got a 2-1 win which I think is, is fairly hard to uh, really argue with Ezequiel Serica put Arsenal up very very early on indeed and when he scored it 
cut that. I'm just going to let our listeners appreciate some of the things that I have to put up with when I am in the mood to edit these things properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he scored it, uh, I thought Arsenal just about deserved the lead, although it's difficult to really say that eight minutes in, quite early on. Um, Francis McAllister stepped out from under the shadow of his two much more talented brothers who've both gone off to Boca Juniors by equalising 15 minutes in um, and then I, I think Argentinos really sort of started to take control of the I don't know if take control but they look more comfortable in the game um, and as you mentioned earlier Dan Gabriel Auche got the uh, winner headed the winner with about 15 minutes to go uh, very very good header from a really nice Matias Romero cross after which Arsenal were actually on top for most of the last 15 minutes but Argentinos saw it out um, oh, yeah. both sides looked, looked you know decent understatedly decent not they're not they're not river plate at their flowing best mm-hmm. uh, or Racing winning the league last season for instance they're, they're not on that level um, but they're both just yeah no good good teams within the context of the Argentine Superliga um, and I think they're both going to be there or thereabouts in the final reckoning the standings then at the moment are that Boca have 21 points Argentinos have 18 River a third with 17 Belles Lanús and Tacheres oh and Racing as well oh bloody hell and San Lorenzo they've all got 16 uh, Arsenal have 15 and Newell's have 15 as well but of course have a game in hand mm-hmm. that game against Independiente from the second round that still hasn't been played uh, Independiente of course lost in one of the games I did see and was fairly entertaining I thought Villas were pretty good value yes, lovely goal by young Thiago Almada yeah, so yeah. that up uh, I only caught the second, I think the second half or most of the second mm-hmm. half of that one I saw the end, or I can't remember seeing the start. Um, so yeah, obviously if Newell's were to win that game against Independiente, then they would go level with Argentinos. But that game against Independiente is going to be played on the 14th or something like that of next month. Uh, so it's still some, some way away. So this is strictly hypothetical. Uh, Independiente themselves have 13, as do Rosario Central. And in the relegation table, which I've just remembered isn't included in the app I was on so please wait while my phone loads the other app which does include the relegation table um, Gymnasia are still very much bottom of the relegation table as I frantically scroll across to it um, but now with four points this season 60 points from 61 games we've seen Central Corva shoot up thanks to that win we have yeah they're up to 17th now uh, so we're in the relegation zone last week right uh, they were, yeah, they were yeah. second bottom, which means that now Central have dropped into it. And if the season were to end today, there would need to be a Central versus Patronato playoff oh. because they're both on actually the same uh, 71 points from 61 games each. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other teams down there are Aldo Civi in the relegation zone, Central and Patronato, as I say, straddling the, 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 the gap. Uh, Banfield on 72 points, only a point ahead of Central, so they're playing with fire. Colón are on 74. They can't afford to get too distracted by the Copa Sudamericana final. Newell's on 73. Only two points clear. We've got a very congested section here. Central Cordoba on 11 points from nine. And then Estudiantes are on 75 from 61. So it still, at the moment, looks very much as though Gimnasia are completely doomed. But from Central, Aldo Civi Central upwards... um, it's a really, really tight struggle that is developing. I, I wouldn't want to predict anything apart from probably Gimnasia going down, as we've been saying for the last yes. few weeks. They have to win. Indeed, I think Alasivi as well are in a, yes. in a bit of trouble because they've been awful uh, so far this season more than yeah. anything. 
Um, Gimnasio and start picking up the same number of points this season as everybody above them. No. I mean, if you look at the points this season, it's four for Gimnasio, five for Albacibi, 13 for Central, 12 for Patronato, eight for Banfield, so Banfield mm. are in trouble, 10 for Colón, 15 for Newells, uh, 10 for Estudiantes, 11 for Central Cordoba. Yeah, we'll have to see if um, if uh, after those three very difficult games to kick off with, Maradona manages to put a few a few wins, a few draws together. Mm. That's pretty much Kimnastia's only chance to get a, yeah. get a a fair amount of points on the board before before Christmas. It is. Uh, we didn't cover the Primera Femenina last uh, week. The results this week were Y Orquiza two Estudiantes de la Plata nil which means that Wild Orquiza, I think, have a perfect start, although they're not quite as high-scoring as they were last season. Uh, Social Atletico Televisión, or Satside, 2, Huracán, 2. Andres, how many goals was it they did in the first two matches? 15, 13, yeah? Yes. Eight, 8 in the first and 5 in the second. Yes. Uh, but they dropped points for the first time in the season, drawing 2-2 against Huracán. Excursionistas versus River, big local derby, that one, in Belgrano. Uh, finished 3-0 to Riber, so Riber are finally up to uh, positive goal difference because what we didn't say last week was that after losing 5-0 to Boca in the first weekend, which we told Hand of Pod Patreon subscribers about, um, River then won their second game 5-0. I can't remember who it was against. I think it might have been Lanús. Um, Lanús 2, Defensores de Belgrano 1. Uh, Boca 7, Rosario Central 1. So Boca looked to me... So far, like the team to beat. Um, Platense nil, El Porvenir nil, Villa San Carlos nil, San Lorenzo five, um, and Gimnasia La Plata one, Independiente nil. Um, so that's Guayorquiza and San Lorenzo, I think both with perfect records, right? Yeah, and, and Boca also well. Boca. So at the moment, top on goal difference are Boca with San Lorenzo second and Guayorquiza third. Uh, seven points for Satsaid. River a fifth with six points, as are Lanús uh, with in six because of goal difference. Um, yeah, so that, that's the those are the, the sort of standings at the moment. And I said that we were going to very briefly mention Almagro's next Copa Argentina game, having knocked out Tacheres. Mm-hmm. That is because not really because of anything Almagro is going to be doing, but because we have tremendous news for you. If you like football, then you should be happy to hear this. What's this? Juan Fernando Quintero. Is in the match squad for River Plate's uh, Copa Argentina game against Almagro on Friday. Could be the second auspicious, well, not in this case debut, but reintroduction for Almagro because Daniel Rossi's first game for Boca was against Almagro as well oh, in the Copa Argentina. Right, yeah. So, nice exposure for Almagro, I guess. Couldn't yes. they do the giant killing once more? We shall see. We shall. The giant killing. For, for Rito Martinez, the former Boca. Uh, Player who is now there said that it's like climbing the Everest uh, playing at River uh, because, well, Tacheres was like the Aconcagua, which is also a, a mount here in Argentina. Uh, and uh, uh, well, it will be the second match in four days for them. Uh, but was what was strange, or at least, well, I, I don't know why the organizers decided to put Tacheres to play on Monday uh, uh, after. Having played on way on, on Friday, I'm guessing because they had the was it quarterfinal or semifinal? But this is the thing, right? River. Yes. So Andres and I were saying before you you arrived, Dan. Yeah, it's one of the stupid things with the Copa Argentina was that it's River 
qualify. I, I think that this Friday's game is going to be a quarter fight. Oh, hang on, I've got a phone in front of me. I can find out, can't I? Uh, Copa Argentina. Hmm. So River are going to be playing on Friday against Almagro in the quarterfinals. Quarterfinals. River qualified for the quarterfinals on the with a one 0 win over Godoy. Oh, for fuck's sake, the date's not on this. Uh, on the oh come on, show us the date. No, it doesn't say. It wasn't uh, that long ago, I don't think. It, it was, but it was longer ago than Monday. Right or longer ago than last yes. Friday or whenever the hell Almagro yes. uh, got through. So River have been in the quarterfinals for ages, and Tacheres had they beaten Almagro to play River in this quarterfinal, mm-hmm. would have just had to play like twice in about a week and a half or something. Because while when after River qualified for the quarters, Tacheres was still involved in not the last sixteen but the last thirty-two. They hadn't yeah. played that yet. Um, it's just that. The way that they stagger the rounds and stuff, when they, I don't understand why they can't just put aside one weekend when there's no league action and go, right, this is Copa Argentina weekend. Hey, that, that, would, that would make sense, but obviously yeah. that doesn't happen. I, I hate to be a Western European coming down to South America and telling people <laughs> how to do it, but basically, the way that, that we do in England with the FA Cup, just do that. What's so difficult about it? Yes, FIFA, we... FIFA dates are just the, the, the perfect uh, dates in order to... to, to update the, the, the rounds I, I can understand yes. obviously the, the particularly River and Boca I guess because then you know and uh, perhaps to a lesser extent Racing Independiente San Lorenzo the, the, the teams who are going to lose more players to international teams maybe wanting to postpone their games if they can mm-hmm. but get a, at least a whole bunch of them played on international breaks and if not you've got a top flight with 23 rounds of matches and sometimes yeah it's not like you could spread that out over season three weeks create some free weekends and sometimes we criticize the the, uh, in the case it will be the Superliga uh, schedule but for example Almaro were had their their match called off uh, and they didn't play the weekend over the weekend something that Tasher did uh, which was an advantage in this case for the team that was in the Primera Nacional not the second division Indeed. Um, right, we will move on to listeners' questions, which begin with Perfect Tommy asking us, "What are your thoughts on the HBO Maradona documentary?" I haven't no, seen it. Me no. Right. no. So those are our thoughts. We don't have any. Uh, I'd like to see it at some point. Yes. David Novoshevsky says, "Have any of you seen the new Maradona film? And if so, what did you think of it? Is this the same film or is this a different film? It must be the same one, right?" Yes. There were so many, because we got a question about this like yeah. a couple of months ago as well. There was one that came out as well. Yeah, I've heard good things, but I haven't watched it. I mean, I don't know if it's in, is it in cinemas now? I think so. I mean, my, well, well, I remember my cinema we, going days are long gone, of course. But when, when we were either first asked about this one or last asked about the last one, yeah. I remember saying, and I think you agreed with me at the time, Dan, that living here, you just kind of get Maradona fatigue after a while. And so... Yes. I'm not really like that. Yeah, I mean, I've I mean, seen we live so a Maradona many... documentary every day because exactly. he's a yeah. gymnastia <laughs> coach. And, and I've seen highlights of all of the best moments of his career on television when they don't have any live sport to show until they're coming out of my nose and my eyes and my ass and everything else. Yes. I just, and I don't really have that much interest in. I mean, yeah, okay, I've read his autobiography, I'm, I'm aware of. The stuff that he got off to off the pitch. I don't really have that much interest. It was before his debut, to be honest. I'd rather sit down. 
watch a good film or, or read a yeah I mean if I'm at home one like, evening and it, and it came on TV I'd watch it but as I say I can't go to the cinema anyway right now because I have a three month old child um, if I did I'd probably go to watch the new Tarantino flick if it's still in cinemas with your three month old child yeah well, I'm not sure I mean if I could I'm saying if I could if I could escape for two or three hours or however long a film lasts these days mm. that's what I would pick over the Maradona film that was my point it was before his debut that uh, this sports show the eight, an eight hours yes it was the special the, one or two days before because he's number ten yes it was one or two days before Oh, by the way, yeah. On that note, today is the tenth of the tenth, so, which is unofficial Playmakers Day here mm-hmm. in Argentina, oh. and it's also the tenth anniversary, tenth of the tenth, and it's the tenth anniversary of that famous Martin Palermo goal yes. in the rain against Peru, which didn't qualify Argentina for the World Cup, mm-hmm. but which did um, keep their hopes alive with Maradona managing. And so. it's also an opening night for the Lionel Messi Cirque du Soleil oh, extravaganza in Barcelona. Today, that makes sense. Yeah, funny how things work out, isn't it? Excellent. Uh, So, yeah, happy anniversary and happy uh, opening night. Happy day to all those, all you number 10s from across the world. Yeah. If Lionel Messi does listen to this, then it must take him absolutely fucking ages given he doesn't speak English. Yeah. He must have to translate everything. Maybe he watches it with an interpreter next to him. I mean, he has the money to pay someone. If Messi listens to this, we will have to start recording in Spanish. Sorry. I hope at least he's a I am reliably informed that he does. I hope at least he's a Patreon patron. I think he has the money. Yeah, he, he, he could get the advertising team. Yes. He could be hand a pot advertised, uh, sponsored by Lionel Messi. Yeah. So if you're listening, Mr. Messi, think about it. Sponsor us. Uh, if you don't know what Dan just meant, then get over to patreon.com slash hand of pod and become a patron. And you get mm-hmm. loads of extra content. But as I always say, please don't let that put you off. Uh, please support us. Uh, Darren Paul says, just how important is Marcos Acuna and... How much should Manchester United spend to buy him in January? Thank you, Darren. Uh, important in what sense? I mean, I assume he means the national. He's not team. a head of state or a. I assume he means the national team. Given you know yesterday, he's useful. You know, he comes on. He's he bombs down that left wing. He's very difficult to stop. Kind of like a captain caveman sort of figure, just goes marching along. Yeah, I love him. Of course, he he was fantastic with Racing. He. Does his part with Argentina. Uh, I'll probably see him on the pitch there in Di Maria, right? Mm. After so many disappointments. Definitely. Yes. Um, I'm not sure about Manchester How much United. should United pay them? I don't 50? think that Manchester 60? United should buy him. I think that Manchester United's uh, yeah, on-pitch priorities, because you know there are obviously a lot more reasons that they're doing the way that they are doing at the moment than just uh, on the pitch. I think their on-pitch priorities lie in different areas, personally, but there we go. Well, you say that, but on Wednesday, Argentina subbed Marcos Rojo for Acuna. Could Solskjaer not do the same thing? But given that Marcos Rojo gave away the first goal by going walkies in the opposition's half and then going, oh shit, I'm meant to be covering that area of the pitch and not getting back there in time. No, I don't think that would be the solution. The, the, the one area of United's a, a team that I'm reasonably happy with at the moment is, is the central defensive partnership when everybody's fit. Uh, anyway, Little Bird says, how do you think Ten Hag's choice to reconvert, very successfully to my understanding, Lisandro Martinez to a number five, uh, an Argentine number five, of course, uh, it's probably a different number in Dutch, mm. will affect the selection? The, the, sorry, the selection. Uh, the national team I mean I'll have to take Little Bird's word for it because I don't watch 
any uh, Dutch football. Uh, so if he tells me that Lisandro Martinez is playing very well as a defensive midfielder, I have no choice but to believe him. Um, it, it's not great for Argentina because no, um, they have plenty of potential number fives. What they don't have lot, uh, central defenders. And as we've said a lot, that axis of, of Paredes and De Paul is really gelling together very well over the last mm-hmm. six months or so. I think the last thing they need is another player who's going to come in and disrupt that the selection for that and also at the same time take away a centre-back option. Well, they're saying that um, Javier, Javier Mascherano yeah. played centre-midfield, defensive-midfield for Argentina for a good 40 years after reconverting um, for Barcelona as a centre-back. Mm. So, who's to say it can't, it can't work both ways? Miguel Ernesto says, why does Marcos Rojo keep being called up and actually playing same with Otamendi I thought we'd moved on I did read on Twitter that possibly Scaloni is having a, a threesome with Otamendi and Rojo's sisters but I can't attest to the reliability of that assertion if so Hand of Pods lawyers know. are listening or indeed if uh, Nicolas Otamendi or Marcos Rojo's sisters <laughs> lawyers are listening Oh, their sisters. To, yes, yes uh, I'd just like to make very clear that uh, Dan was reporting other people's words. Indeed, hearsay. Or the beliefs of Hand of Pod. If Leo, anyone has a more plausible explanation, I'd like to hear it. Indeed. Leo Russomano has a question for you, Dan. He says, for those of you who are not River or Boca supporters or sympathisers, isn't there always one that you just hate more? It has to be Boca, right? I mean, I love both of them, to be honest. Um, there we go. Right now... It's, you know, I enjoy watching um, River play more than I enjoy watching Boca play because, like Scaloni, as we found out, I have eyes. Um, conversely, River's fans on social media are absolutely unbearable and they have been ever since they beat Boca in the last final. So I wouldn't be averse to see them get taken down a peg or two, but then that would mean Boca won and their fans would just be equally as unbearable if not more so uh, my best solution would be for both clubs to fold and take up tennis maybe if that happened then Racing and Independientes fans would take up the mantle and become the unbearable and ones we can only hope so yes and, and this black magic thing was not said by a supporter I think it was by a journalist which is worse journalist yes of course journal fan yes sir um, and finally, Darren Paul says, "Which Banda de Turistas song do you lads rate highest?" I don't. Uh, I had it? never heard of Banda de Turistas uh, I, before no. I saw Darren's tweet. Have uh, you done? No. Have you, Andres? Uh, no, I, I listen to rock, not pop. Uh, but uh, I will make some recommendation. Of course. He's talking about music and I... I, I, I assume that they're a cumbia band, given Dan's, uh, Darren's um, no. musical Argentine tastes. No, it's a tastes. pop, rock band, but it's more pop than rock. Oh, okay. uh, if, it was, if it were cumbia, yeah. I'd be all over it. I'll do but that to you. I, I, I recommend uh, Darren and uh, any other listeners who would like to listen to Argentinian rock bands, uh, Arbol, which is in English, it will be three, mm-hmm. uh, where my brother sings and well, mm-hmm. plays the guitar. That's A R B O L. Yeah. Yes. A little bit more generally, you've got guys Sore Stereo, Dividido, Redondos, yes. uh, Charlie Garcia. There's a lot of good Argentine music, which yes. um, I think even Sam might have heard of the names of. Yes, no, I'm familiar with all of those, thank you very much. There we go. Should be an even, mate. 
<laughs> don't listen to cumbia, that's all. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. You could do worse than check out uh, the musical stylings of Juan D'Arienzo and Carlos Gardel. If you well. want, and yeah. two youngsters who I think have got a big future ahead of them. I think they could go far, Other, Other well-known, I think, uh, at least for the United States listeners, will be Kevin Johansson, who is, have, have lived yeah. in the United States a lot of time. Who I've seen live in concert. Yes. Who? No, wait, no, I've not. It's the other bloke. Kevin Johansson's yes. the. Yeah, no, he's different. Uh, who's the bloke who did the soundtrack to Brokeback Mountain? Or did. There's an Argentine guy who wrote a couple of songs on the soundtrack to Brokeback Mountain, and who I saw live in the Trastienda in San Telmo in like January 2007. I can't remember his name. <laughs> no idea. He was quite good. Anyway, him. Yes. Uh, Darren's tweet also contains another question. Is Matias Rojas a modern-day Washington Camacho? I mean, I'm so glad that the last word of that tweet is there. Because I've been listening to a lot of the Revolutions podcasts recently. Mm. And without the word Camacho at the end of that, this tweet would take a very, very different meaning. Okay. Because I can't see how Matias Rojas is a, a latter-day Washington. But Washington True. Camacho is another matter. Yes, I'd say, I mean... Washington Camacho is the modern day Washington Camacho since I'm, he's I'm still playing guessing that what Darren means though is that he looked decent elsewhere and then comes to Racing and doesn't really do very much although yeah. it was good was it last weekend or was it the weekend before he, he set a goal up this weekend he really set up open. the first goal with a fine cross yeah. for Jonathan Cristaldo in Racing's 2-0 win uh, I still have a certain amount of faith in him I think he's a good player um, I don't think he is the world beater that maybe he was he was made out to be while at Defensive Justicia uh, but I'm still hoping he can he can do a job for Racing and that he won't be a total loss as Camacho was he was absolutely fucking awful mm. so yeah I I hold out hope that he won't be absolutely fucking awful Indeed. But, but play, playing uh, in uh, terms of playing, I think he's more the replacement for I don't remember the the surname of Paul, who was the former uh, Atletico Rafaela and Godi Cruz. Uh, Fernandez. Paul Fernandez. That I think he's more replacement for him in terms of play that than, than Camacho. But uh, yeah, Camacho's not been at Racing for six yes, years. I think, yes. yeah. So definitely not a replacement for Camacho. On that note. We will love you and leave you. Uh, if you're a Hand of Pop Patreon subscriber... Oh, you don't have Mystic Sam today, I've forgotten. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I actually, when I sent the tweet out earlier, I asked for people to send in predictions. And I, <laughs> I only realised while we were recording, while one of you two was talking about ten minutes ago, I was like, oh, there's no Mystic Sam. I don't have to edit it tonight, that's brilliant. Do um, we have any, any contenders at least? Pardon? When you sent the tweet out, did anyone rise to the challenge? I'm assuming not, no, because I'm, I'm guessing that people saw that I was being an idiot by um, asking for them. Excellent. Anyway, uh, the uh, final message to give you is just a reminder that we are sponsored by Fanatis. There is, as we've just said, no Superliga this weekend, but over the next few days, there is plenty of hot Copa Argentina action mm. to get your teeth stuck into because the quarterfinals are all now set thanks to that Estudiantes de la Plata penalty win over Estudiantes de San Luis. All the same, if you're looking to use a free trial, I'll wait a week. Just wait a week. Shut up. We're still going to get paid anyway, but go and, help go and sign up right now to Fanatis. It's fntz.co slash HOP and the discount code is H-O-P-F-Z. And the quarterfinal dates are, as we've already said on Friday, River play Almagro with Juan Fernando Quintero. 
possibly coming off the bench, which is well worth using that. Yes, I stand corrected. Watch that. And then on Wednesday, uh, there are two. One is Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero, (coughs) who it says here in my app are to play a confirmar, or Ah. to be confirmed. But the fact that that's the only space still to be confirmed means that that's going to be Estudiantes de la Plata. Um, The other, also on Wednesday, a bit later on, is Colón versus another Estudiantes, Estudiantes de Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still don't have a date yet for Independiente versus Lanús, which is the remaining quarterfinal. Here it says that it will be on, on Friday the 25th of October. Which is going to be, that's in two weeks' time. Yes. The, which, hang on, is there no Superliga on then that Friday? How weird. Christ, nice. Copa or Argentina they on play? Friday night? Yes. Oh, is that? That's not election weekend, is it? No. Yes, it is. It is. That's yes. why then. Right, yes. so there's not going to be any football that weekend. Yes. Um, tremendous. So there you go. Anyway, for now, thank you very much for listening. Go and be a patron if you're not already, and you'll be able to hear us talking about more crap that we haven't decided yet. Because mm-hmm. I thought that Huracan San Lorenzo was this weekend, so we had an easy thing, and of course it isn't. So, no. bugger. Anyway, bye for now. From Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. From English Town. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. And from me, thanks and goodbye. Goodbye.